Hey friends, welcome back to the Rhythms Podcast where we continue to explore the ordinary rhythms of life and how they create extraordinary opportunities for thriving lives. Or as my friend Eugene Peterson once said, life and more life. I love that. I'm Paul Gaucher, and it's great to have you listening today. This is episode 10, and I'm calling this one present, as in we thrive in the present as people who practice rhythms of Sabbath, seek margin, lean into silence, pause to listen, explore thin places, and immerse myself, ourselves, all of us, in what each moment has to teach. This is episode 10, part two of present. In the last episode, part one, I did some noodling on the gift of the present, uh, the practices of Sabbath, and what I've called sevens and the Genesis rhythms with a little help from an acquaintance. More on that to come. Well, this is part two, as I said, and uh, in this episode today, I want to talk about what it means to seek margin and why actually going after some space in our otherwise normally crammed lives provides some room for life and more life. I want to talk about what it means to lean into silence and how one square inch on the planet, known as the quietest place on earth, translates into wisdom for wherever we find ourselves and leads us to the question, where is your one square inch? And I want to talk about pausing to listen and the wisdom of Frederick Beekner's insistence that we listen to our lives, that we see it for the fathomless mystery that it is, that we touch, taste, and even smell our way to the hidden heart of it all. Uh, Before we get going on that, just a quick uh, sabbatical update. Uh, Nancy Lee and I are into our fourth and final week here on Orcas Island in the San Juans of uh, northwestern Washington State. It continues to be a fabulous adventure. Uh, Over the last uh, three and a half weeks, we've uh, been all over this island and we've experienced just about every kind of weather. Uh, The weekend that we arrived, Uh, We brought gale force winds with us that actually took out a lot of trees on the island. Um, Lots of cleanup after that storm that hit Seattle and then moved its way up north. Snow, sleet, ice uh, has given way to um, uh, some other kinds of weather, a little bit a little bit better weather than some of my listeners in the Midwest. Uh, Business shop, Uh, Owners have been happy for some business when people do stop in. Uh, We've explored this island from stem to stern, edge to edge, tip to the bottom. Uh, Our son and daughter-in-law were here last weekend. We hiked all over and had some great food. Uh, If you want to do a little Googling, you can check out East Sound. That's one word, East Sound. Uh, Moran State Park and uh, certainly Rosario a resort along with Deer Harbor and the rest. This is an amazing place on earth. A spirited and creative experience here for me and for Nancy Lee continues to be a great gift. We are so grateful. I am so grateful to my colleagues at Prince of Peace for this time away. Uh, we'll be heading east in several days' time and then 
And then we'll be heading off to New Zealand. So more about that later. But for now, here we are. So let's let's talk a little bit about seeking margin. Several years ago, uh, our son left for college and our home was empty, empty of the sounds of the pattering of little feet that had grown up there. Uh, to grieve that change, to mark the transition, as well as to celebrate the new reality, Nancy Lee and I took off on a week-long canoe trip into the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness of northern Minnesota. And on an impossibly beautiful, warm, gently breezy afternoon, we were just floating in our canoe in the middle of the lake. We'd floated out and then just laid back and floated, looking up at the blue sky. And after a long stretch of quiet thought, literally out of the blue, Nancy Lee casually asks one of the more existential questions uh, that one could ask. What does empty nest mean to you? She asked. Well, that was a great question, uh, and it still is. And after uh, a few more thoughtful moments, uh, I said something like this. I responded to her. I said, well, I I think it has something to do with having more margin, more space to explore new and different things. Well, that was my story, and it still is, and I'm still sticking to it. When we experience margin in our lives, how, how I understand and talk about the widening of time, uh, the opening of moments, when we create breathing room in our otherwise often overstuffed, frenetic, and maybe even suffocatingly full schedules, we find a new and often generous generative space that leads to something like abundant life, something like life and more life, something like what Eugene Peterson once called more and better life. Well, there's a lot of irony in all of this, I think, how how we often talk about losing ourselves, trying to find ourselves, how we run ourselves ragged, trying to find uh, a way to slow down, how we get tied up in knots, trying to escape the faster pace that we've set for ourselves. I mean, isn't it just a little ironic that the most effective way to experience fullness and fulfillment is through the process of emptying? Well, it all seems so very counterintuitive and, and even binary to me. And I often, I often wonder if there's another way, and I think there is. It's, it's known generally as the third way, a non-binary, an alternative, uh, an and-one perspective. And here's what I mean. Uh, Richard Swenson is a physician researcher, an award-winning educator, and a best-selling author of Margin, Restoring Emotional, Physical, Financial, and Time Reserves to Overloaded Lives. In his book, Dr. Swenson warns that not, not leaving extra space, some breathing room, some margin in certain, in various areas of our lives, specifically with regard to our time our energy, our finances, all of that, can create significant and predictable stress in our lives. Now, full disclosure, uh, I haven't read the whole book, uh, probably just enough to be a little dangerous or maybe at least enough to point you to his book. But I can say that Dr. Swenson gives us a really good working definition of margin as 
the space between our load and our limits. He says, it's the amount allowed beyond that which is needed. It is something held in reserve for contingencies or unanticipated situations. He says, margin is the gap between rest and exhaustion, the space between breathing freely and suffocating. Well, this concept of margin is based on the idea that it's wise to leave some space in our daily routines to make room, to even welcome the unexpected or unplanned events that frequently arise and frequently threaten to undo us when they do arrive. Well, this is in sharp contrast with our tendency each day to pack our schedules full. Uh, Think about your schedule. Uh, top to bottom, edge to edge, beginning to end. And when we do that, when we pack it all in, uh, our health and wellness, our sense of wholeness on every level uh, begins to end. And we all do this. We all do this by working uh, what we call full days, full as some would define as 10 to 12 hour days. And then filling the evenings with more activities, more commitments, more meetings, Uh, which may and often do include stepping into the schedules of other people around us, including our kids and their sports and music events and, and the support of their social calendars if we happen to be their drivers. And that doesn't even include the possibility of a full schedule of activities, uh, for a weekend. Full, we call it. We call it full as if anything less wouldn't be quite as efficient or maybe even noble. But think about this. When we perpetuate this rhythm by repeating this pattern over several weeks, it's likely that we'll add the complications of exhaustion and sickness to the mix. You've experienced that. I've experienced that. We all experience that. Well, I think Dr. Swenson nails it. This is a very helpful understanding of margin and why we need it. But I got to wondering if if I could push an already great idea just a bit further. So let's put it into an equation. If busy lives plus lack of margin equals stress, then it probably isn't a very good idea to create some extra space or margin and then just fill it back up again. I mean, what if creating some margin in our lives purely for the sake of creating and sustaining a wider place to be thrivingly present, a more expansive place to just be was the goal? What if that was the goal? What if we didn't backfill the space we just created with more busyness? Why would we create room in order to fill it back up again with other stuff? Becoming people who thrive in the present by seeking margin has ancient roots, deeply and solidly rooted all the way back in the Genesis poem. We find rest and space and margin as an 
integral part of the creating narrative and the creative process. Both our Hebrew and Christian brothers and sisters picked up on that, and we're deeply aware of the need, um, and they were deeply aware of the need for practicing the discipline of presence by seeking margin in their lives. I mean, think about it. The, the ancient Hebrew scriptures are filled with examples of creating space, making room, experiencing rest, seeking and finding margin, margin from such things as work, uh, uh, social struggles, war, and fear and anxiety that comes with all of that. And then in the Christian scriptures, uh, the Christian scriptures abound with stories of Jesus going off by himself to pray, constantly moving away from the crowds and into wider, more remote and even lonely places in order to enter into a deeper, wider, fuller, more expansive and healthy place. If you think about what you know of Christian scripture stories, Jesus often went up on the mountain, into the garden, onto the boat, out on the sea, over to the other side, and into the wilderness. Jesus routinely moved out of the express lane uh, onto an exit, in search of a quieter place, quieter places along the back roads in order to rest and renew and restore and replenish. And the reason he did this, of course, it can't be overlooked. The reason he did this was to create some margin, some space, not just to fill it back up again with other things, but in order to have what he needed so that when the right time came, he could move toward or back into the lives of the very people that the culture pushed away. So let's think about this in the context of our own lives. If by seeking margin in our lives, we'll continue to thrive in the present, we need to get our heads around a few ideas. So what do the words margin, space, and breathing room mean to you? Where do you find those in your life? Think about the amount of margin in your life right now. Would you say that there's enough, there's too much, or not enough? Where do you see margin in your life today, and, and how do you get that? Do you have practices that, that routinely take you out of the fast lane, out of the express lane? Uh, what kind of emptying do you need to do? Uh, how has creating margin helped you become more present, more tuned in to this very present moment? Well, I'm convinced that until we experience some margin, we'll not be able to tend to these kinds of issues very well. You know, it's interesting. I, I ran across uh, a handful of useful tips from uh, the American Psychological Association uh, for creating margin in our lives. And on the list, of course, were things like practicing mindfulness, uh, practicing positivity, uh, seeking social support, being active and moving. But last on their list of this handful of things was to get outside. The idea that connecting with nature can have physical, mental, and social health benefits for adults and children alike, research shows. Uh, research also results um, uh, that, um, or the research results uh, found that spending time outside in nature can help prevent cancer cells from developing and strengthen our immune systems and aid in stress reduction. So getting outside 
can go a long way in creating health and well-being outside where we're able to distance ourselves from the noise all around us, a noise um, that can often drown out the beauty of the silence that creates life and more life in us. That reality set Gordon Hempton on the quest for some quiet, a search for a quiet place, but not just any quiet place. Gordon Hempton went on the search for the quietest place on the planet, and Gordon Hempton found it. And when he did, he leaned way into silence. And Gordon welcomes the rest of us to one square inch. One square inch is located deep within the Ho Rainforest of the Olympic National Park here in the Pacific Northwest, which is one of the most pristine, untouched, and ecologically diverse environments in the United States. Hempton calls it a sanctuary for silence. But it's not an ordinary silence. Silence, Hempton says, is not the absence of something. I think that's where most of us would probably go when we thought about this. But Hempton says that it's not the absence of something, but the presence of everything, which does sound a bit counterintuitive, but let's just go with it. I first heard of Gordon Hempton and the one square inch of silence in an an interview that he gave to Krista Tippett in December of 2016. If you uh, if you do a search for Gordon Hempton, H-E-M-P-T-O-N, and then follow that with silence and the presence of everything, you'll find that interview there. Well, in the interview, uh, Hempton, who's obviously passionate about preserving this kind of place and this kind of experience for future generations, says that the one square inch is very possibly the quietest place in the United States. If you were to go to his uh, website and it's just simply one square inch, uh, I think that on the first page, when you when you pull up that first page, there's actually um, an audio that you can that you can listen to. It's 15 minutes of a live microphone planted in this one square inch of the whole rainforest. It's absolutely fabulous. Well, Gordon Hempton reminds us that if nothing is done to preserve and protect this quiet place from human noise intrusions, uh, natural quiet, natural quiet may be non-existent in our world in the next 10 years. Silence is a part of our human nature which can no longer be heard by most people. In fact, right now, as I'm recording this, I'm in a little space and there is a motor running. It's either a small refrigerator or the automatic heater in the bathroom. And as I'm speaking, I'm noticing and it's it's so annoying, but I'm going to have to go with it. But if you close your eyes and listen for just a few seconds to the world around you, the world that you're in right now, um, you will hear a lack of true quiet, of silence. As I said, refrigerators, air conditioning systems, airplanes are just a few of the things that have become part of the ambient sound that prevent us from listening to the natural sounds of our environment. Hempton says this, It's our birthright to listen. 
quietly and undisturbed to the natural environment and to take whatever meanings we may from it. By listening to natural silence, we feel connected to the land, to our evolutionary past, and to ourselves. The hope is that by listening to natural silence, it will help people to become true listeners to their environment and help us protect one of the most important and endangered resources on the planet, that being silence. And so being fully present, being open and available to what's going on right here, right now, is going to necessitate some space, some margin in the midst of the noise that's all around us. We might have to work at that a bit. It'll probably mean that we'll have to do things differently. Less noise, more silence. Less talking, more listening. And so a couple of observations and a couple of questions for you. We're not accustomed much to the quiet, let alone silence. And if we're honest, much of the time we're pretty uncomfortable with silence. I mean, think about the last time you noticed some silence or at least a quiet moment. Where was that place? What did you do? What did you say? What what did you do to keep yourself from saying anything? It's almost comical that when when it's really really quiet, we refer to the silence as eerie. And when in a conversation, when there's a lull in the dialogue, we sometimes refer to the space, the margin in the talking, we refer to that as an awkward silence. Why is that? Where in your daily rhythm of life are some of the quietest, most silent places you know? For a few moments right now, just settle back right right now where you are and listen to what's going on around you. Just listen for a minute. What do you hear? Is there is there music playing? What do you hear? Do you hear a fan from a refrigerator? Muffled sound of others' voices outside? Is there a furnace clicking on or running? Is the air conditioner turning off? Is there a printer? Are cars moving by? Is there a motorcycle? Can you hear a chainsaw? a mower, the ocean? Is there toast popping up from the toaster? Is there the gurgle of a coffee pot not far from you? Can you differentiate between the sounds that you're hearing? And can you block them out? And how does hearing or not hearing these sounds allow you to be more present in this very moment or not? Or how far would you have to go right now in order to find some silence? These are important questions. They help us understand the importance of creating margins so that we can actually and maybe intentionally lean into silence. Because when we lean into silence, we begin to listen differently. And how we listen and what we listen to impacts our lives in ways we don't even think about. Nancy Lee and I recently had the opportunity uh, to spend a month of sabbatical, of course, on this island, Orcas Island, in the stunning archipelago uh, known as uh, the San Juan Islands of the Salish Sea just off the northwest coast of Washington State. Now, I grew up near here, near these San Juan Islands, and the rhythm of life in these islands has been part of me since I was a kid. 
Well, during the past month, more than a few times, I've had the opportunity to listen to things I don't often hear. The weekend we arrived and moved into our little bungalow on the far end of the island, a winter storm, which was somewhat historical for this part of the country. Uh, on that, those nights, I listened to, intently to things I haven't heard for a while. High winds blowing through the forest around us. The waves of the Salish Sea crashing on the shoreline not far from our cottage. The thunderous snap of decades-old cedars uh, snapping, breaking, and falling. The sudden silence of the power going out and the way the refrigerator motor wind, winds down to nothing in that moment. I found myself lying in bed just listening to, as Simon the Garfel once sang, the sound of silence all around me. And then, of course, the curious moment of, uh, what is it, relief? When the power came back online and everything began to boot back up, the ping of our no, vo, uh, mobile devices, the low hum of the refrigerator's motor, the small furnace, I, I listened to it all and heard it differently with a lot of fascination. This all took me back to one of my favorite passages in Frederick Beekner's book, Now and Then, A Memoir of Vocation. It's a powerful, uh, thought-provoking uh, uh, quote from Beekner, and I've referenced this passage a number of times. Well, he, he says this, Listen to your life. See it for all the fathomless mystery it is, in the boredom and pain of it, no less than in the excitement and gladness of it. Touch, taste, smell your way to the holy and hidden heart of it. Because in the last analysis, all moments are key moments, and life itself is grace. Beekner's call to encounter life through all five senses has been deeply resonant with me for years. Each day, though, I know my limitations, especially with regards to listening. I'm faced with the challenge of listening well enough. Either I uh, don't know how to listen carefully enough or I don't set aside the time often enough to listen at the depth necessary to hear even the faintest echoes of the fathomless mysteries of God's movement in my life, or both. Creating rhythms of Sabbath and seeking margin and leaning into silence and pausing to listen and dwelling in the fathomless mystery of this present moment of life allows us to enter more intentionally into the rhythms of God's grace in our lives so that we're better able to hear and see and touch and taste and even smell our way to the holy and hidden heart of it all. And that's the invitation. That's an invitation into listening, really listening. Listening is an integral rhythm of life. Listening as an art form takes us uh, into places uh, where we grow this discipline and practice it. I began to understand this on a deeper level when I first met Eugene Peterson in February of 2012. Uh, as I was writing a book, uh, Eugene had agreed to talk with me about it and give me some input. And so during a, a, a timeless afternoon with Eugene and his wife Jan in their home in Lakeside, Mon Montana, I came prepared with a full page of questions. Of course, Paul Gaucher comes with a full page of questions. Are you kidding me? Well, we were sitting together in his beautiful eagle's nest of an office overlooking beautiful Flathead Lake, and I began at the top of the page with the questions and working my way down. Each question for Eugene 
was a launching point into places I could never have imagined we'd go. Plumbing the depths of this wise man's pastoral mind and heart was amazing. All of that was remarkable enough, but what really struck me, what really struck me was something I'll never forget, how extraordinarily intentional Eugene was with his responses to my questions, how deeply purposefully he was uh, in answering uh, those questions, and how completely present he was in every moment. He was completely there and nowhere else. And you know when someone is completely there with you, don't you? You get this, right? Here's what I mean. As I asked Eugene each question, he sat quietly looking back at me, listening to me, almost studying me as my words floated in the air between us, waiting for a place to land and then connect. He seemed to be listening long after I had finished asking a question. A couple of times, I even wondered if he'd heard the question. And then just about the time in the middle of a long pregnant pause that I'd, I'd feel the urge to break that rich, thick, embracing silence and refre- repeat or rephrase my question, Eugene would gently draw in a breath and then respond. This happened again and again. I'd ask a question and Eugene, listening, would just dwell in it sometimes for up to a full 30 seconds or more. Eugene would, and the only word that comes close to describing it, what he was doing, is savor. Eugene would savor, just savor that present moment and everything in it. What was so inspiring was that Eugene seemed to be listening, not just to what I had asked, but he seemed to be listening to the actual moment that we were sharing together if that makes sense. He was savoring the present moment and then he'd respond. What a gift. If you've experienced anything like this, you know what a gift it is. I felt so listened to. I felt so honored. I felt so heard and understood. I even began to think about those moments like a piece of music. Symphonic, Sitting together with Eugene in that listening space was was a deeply present moment that to this very day has remained as one of the best gifts I've ever received. It was it was symphonic. I, I began to anticipate that Eugene would take his own time. And so in that space, that space between the words, in the margin between the thoughts and phrases, I just watched him. I watched him watching me in that moment. It was kind of symphonic. In the same way that in a piece of music, the rests and the holds, the spaces between the notes where nothing seems to be happening, so much is happening. And it all became a part of the whole piece of music that we were creating together. It was symphonic. Our conversation together, my questions to him, his listening to me, my experience with the silence, his long pauses, pausing to listen, not only to the words, but the spaces in between the words, and the silence opened up to the fullness of that present moment. Yeah, 
whether it's a quiet etude or a full-blown symphony, the space in between creates a moment in which we savor everything that's going on. It's like in that space of quiet, in that moment of intentional listening, listening, we can savor everything that's going on as we enter more deeply into the gift, the gift of the present moment. Whew, man, that's a lot. So let's just land this plane. A couple of observations and then a couple of questions. There's a difference between noise and sound. And when we learn the difference between the two, we begin to hear differently. And there's a difference between hearing and listening. And when we begin to learn the difference between the two, we listen at a deeper level. That's when we begin to savor the present moment. And this is going to take some practice, maybe a lot of practice. And if I dare say so, a lot of us are out of practice with this. And you know, I, I, I have to say, I can almost hear that, that little voice that I know is inside me that mocks me, even, even with all of this that I'm doing, that this level of attention to things, to, to margin, to silence, to listening... Uh, it's telling me it's so counterintuitive. And and we have to press, I have to press back against that. So let me ask you this. When have you felt really listened to? And how would you describe the difference between listening and hearing? And who does that well for you? Who could do that for you today? What part of the art form and discipline of listening would you want to more fully develop in your life? And how would you describe in a few words what Simon and Garfunkel sang about when they sang about the sound of silence? How would you describe that in your life? What does the sound of silence sound like for you and how does that particular sound and listening to that bring you into the present moment so that my friends is my story and i am sticking to it enough of that for now that's a bit about margin that that's a bit about silence and that's a bit about what it means to listen. We're going to continue next time as we press into thin spaces and immerse ourselves in what it means to have each moment teach us something. And I got to tell you right now, um, next time when we talk about, think about thin places, I've got a story to share with you uh, that I've that I've just been waiting to share with you for a long time. It's about an experience I had with a thin place that changed a lot of things for me. And I think that you're going to experience some shift as well. You you will not want to miss next time. You will not want to miss this story of thin places because it's like nothing I've ever experienced before. So, you know, I feel like I'm building it up, but it's a, it's a bonkers story. So tell your friends to listen with you. 
you can uh, you can do a couple things if you want to tap into this. Um, some of you know that for the last um, a month or two, actually now two months, um, have been following me uh, at hashtag 100 days 50 words. Uh, that's on Instagram. Uh, that's a word each day with a photograph, an image, and some thoughts about all of these words. So that's there. You can go to my website and find it all, paulgoshade.com, and uh, you can can be in touch with me there. Follow the Rhythms podcast, uh, some writing there. Anyway, hey, thanks as always to a great team who helped make this happen. Uh, As always, Lisa and Darren, you know who you are. Thank you for your help in making us uh, this happen. Appreciate that, and thanks to the guys in the band Snarky Puppy. Uh, as I said last time, they're kind—they were kind enough to let me use their amazing tune. What about me? That's ironic. What about me uh, for the bumper music on this podcast? It's good to get permission. It is. And now, friends, for a blessing. As you move through this day, may you discover what it means to thrive as a child of God, being present to the present moment. May you find life and more life as you practice rhythms of Sabbath, as you seek margin, as you welcome silence, as you pause to listen, as you press into thin places and immerse yourself in what each moment has to teach. May you find blessing. May you be blessed not merely to be blessed, but blessed to be a blessing to someone else. And remember the words of Thomas Merton, happiness is not a matter of intensity, but of balance, order, and rhythm, and harmony. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll meet you back here soon. Bye.